thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on my podcast. Right now we can call it Connections with Kendall. I love that. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. And generally people with podcasts do these fancy intros, but I feel a little bit embarrassed doing that right now. So I'll just give you an informal intro. For those of you that don't know, Elise Porter is one of those effortlessly cool people who's also very down to earth. And I knew she'd be a little bashful when I said that, but she just carries herself with such poise and grace. And she's an excellent friend to have because she will always be there for you. And I'm super excited to talk to her today, but I feel silly talking about her in the third person. And so I'm going to pass it over to her if you want to add anything to your, your little bio that you think the listeners should know before we dive in. Oh my god, what do I add to that? Kendall, that was so (laughs) nice. I appreciate that so much. I don't feel cool at all, so that's that's really, really nice of you to say. Just about me, I grew up in the Bay Area in California, that's how I know Kendall, and I still live here, and I work in HR, and I have two cats. Those are the most important things about me, I think. Those are the critical things. I think also you should include that we met in elementary school playing softball. The Padres. The Padres. My dad, Kendall, was the coach. Exactly. So the Kendall connection is strong. Elise's father's name is Kendall. So I would like to start from the beginning. You talked a little bit about how you live in the Bay Area. You live in a house that your parents lived in. Yeah. Which is so funny. I know. It's very weird to think. Every once in a while, I just look around and I'm like, they lived here together. That's so weird, especially because I have never seen them together, which I guess we'll get into. But it, it it's very weird. But it's very cool. I'm very fortunate. I bought this place from my dad because he hasn't lived here in 30 years. It's a very weird but very cool situation I have. I'd like to know what your parents' relationship was when you were born or if you think we should start further back that's fine too, but that's the beginning is when Elise was born in my mind. Yeah. (laughs) Before Elise. I'll back up a little bit, I guess, just because I do think it's relevant, but my parents were together for about nine years on and off. They obviously lived together here for a couple of years. It, from what I've heard, it was a little bit of a tumultuous relationship and they ended up separating And then right after that, my mom found out that she was pregnant, which is obviously not an ideal situation to be in. And then there were a couple other factors as well. They weren't really sure who the father was at first, and that caused my dad to not be in my life for the first about two years of my life. And I I look at those factors as it was nobody's fault, and I don't really think it's impacted me that much because for as long as I can remember my dad was in my life. I don't really remember before around two anyway, just things I've heard. But that is the origin story there. And that was their relationship. So I've never actually seen them together in any romantic way, which I mentioned, interesting. But they have always done a really good job of putting me first. And a lot of their story in my childhood sounds like it should be dysfunctional, but it really wasn't. They both really put an effort into making sure that I was taken care of and I was put first. My mom more so emotionally, my dad more so financially, but both very important and I'm very grateful for that. But when I was, I remember when I was younger, they both 
drove me to Disneyland down to Southern California and took me. And that means a lot. That's not, I know it's not something that a lot of people with separated parents get to together. Them. Yes, together. And so there's just a lot of about that that I appreciate that I think they did a really good job with when it could have been a not so great situation. I have a lot of questions. Yes. Thank you for that overview. So when your mom found out she was pregnant, you mentioned that she didn't loop in your father for the first two years. He was not aware of your existence until you were two. Is that correct? No. He was aware. She looped him in. It was more so just that they didn't know who the father was. And so it was unclear how much he should be looped into. And so do you have to wait till you're a certain age to determine paternity or that's why, why two a year really great wait. question. I don't know. From what I've heard, I think that at first my dad needed to have some time to process it and yeah. figure out whether it was something he, I don't even want to say wanted to be a part of, but whether he was a part of it, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that technology has come a long way. I don't even know what it was at the time. But I I do think my mom had to plant the seed with him and let him process it for a little bit. And then he was on board. And and I will say, as soon as he found out that he was the father, he's been on board ever since. So I think that's what matters. And in a lot of ways, I look at it as he didn't have to be involved. And he was. And so that means a lot to me. Yeah. And what was going through your mom's mind to your knowledge when she was deciding whether she wanted to loop him in because they weren't together, some of the factors behind her thought process there? Yeah, I think that she was very open about it with everybody involved. I do know that when I came out, she was pretty sure that he was the father based on how I look. And so I think that was when she's getting more serious about asking him if he wanted to be involved and all that. I actually, this is interesting. I think she asked him if he wanted to be there for the birth. And I think at that point he was not ready because it was all just so weird and he, they didn't know for sure that he was the father. But like I said, my mom and dad have always been on good terms and this is a whole nother story, but they met both of their spouses through each other because they have always been friendly and invited each other to stuff. So, and I think that definitely played into why my upbringing was less chaotic than it could have been. But I think they were, they've always been on speaking terms and I think that made it a little bit easier. Definitely. And was your mom, it sounds like she was okay with the idea of being a single parent. Yes. And and That's I do think that she considered not going through with it because it is a not very ideal situation. She has told me that it was partly her age. She was 37 when this happened. And so she felt like this might be my last shot. And so if I'm going to do this, I need to just commit. I'm trying to remember what movie it was. She told me that there was a movie that she watched that also changed her perspective on this it's called parenthood and it has steve martin in it and she said she watched it and it just changed her perspective on parenting that there is going to be really difficult times but it's also going to be really worth it and that is what made her ultimately make that final decision 
which she told me oh. recently, and I thought that was really interesting. And then I watched it, and it's a really cute movie. Did it make you feel better to see it? Did it make yes. sense? Yes. That's fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting you say that because I am so influenced by how things are portrayed in movies and books because I think I think everyone is. That's how we mm-hmm. share stories and feel connection and less alone. And so it's nice when maybe she didn't see her exact nuclear family set up, but she still saw herself represented in a story and she could see that totally. and it helped her feel less alone, which I love. Yeah, I gotta watch it now. That's, that's a really no. good point. Yeah, you should. It's very relevant. I want to rewatch uh, it now because it, it was a year or two ago that I watched it. Like one quote in particular, I can't remember what it is and I'm going to butcher it, but it's something about how being a parent is a roller coaster and that there are highs, there are lows, but the highs are so worth it. Yeah. Have you ever wavered on your decision to want to have kids? I feel like I have always wanted to. The past couple of years, I have, and I think in my mind, it, it still wasn't even something I, that what I would even consider not doing, but it was more a realization of, oh, the, the world's in a not very great place. And is it better to bring a child into this place? And also it looks really fucking hard <laughs> and I love my sleep and that is definitely going to be impacted and something that I'll need to adjust to, but people do it. And I think those, those two aspects, just seeing people in my life start to do it and be, oh, your life changes completely. I think also I've just thought about ways that I want to maintain my identity when that does happen. Totally. Those hit on all my big things that are going through my head. Mm -hmm. I feel embarrassed because I haven't really questioned that decision. It was just default programming from society. And then now when I have these conversations, I realize that I don't have very good reasons or I haven't put a lot of critical thought into it. It's not like you have to defend it like a thesis. You can make your own choices. But I was just surprised at the lack of critical thought I gave it. It was just a something that people do and I wanted to do it. <laughs> totally. I, I can totally relate to that. And I think that is why in the past couple of years when I have had those thoughts, it was so almost shocking to me because I was like, yeah, have I really thought this through? Is this something that I want to do? Or is this something that I have been trained to think I need to do? But I do think I always come back to it. And I think a big part of that is the relationship I do have with my mom. And just, I want to be that to somebody. And again, that might be a selfish reason as well, but it's, it, it is interesting. You can flip selfish so many different ways because a lot of times people who are child-free are seen as selfish, but it's funny because now when I think of the reasons why I want to have a child, they're all very selfish. I want Mm. to raise a little person in my image that seems very egotistical. The world needs more of me. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely. That seems like a selfish thing to do. Yeah. So it's just, it's funny when you say, oh, it might be selfish to want to to be a mother in the way that my mother was. I think that's not selfish at all. And I should have teed this up in the intro, but that's really what I wanted to dive into beyond your family dynamics was I am so in awe of people who have a positive mother-daughter relationship and you're one of those people. And so I want to dig into that and hear about your relationship with your mother because I grew up 
watching Gilmore Girls and wishing that I had that sort of relationship with my mom. I can't speak for you, but I only know that something's lacking when I compare it to others. We both grew up in a very small bubble where a lot of people have a t- traditional nuclear family and the mom is a stay-at-home mom and the dad works and that's what the home looks like. So when did you notice that maybe your home looked different and just do you have any early thoughts from that experience or noticing others? That's such a good question. I went to a private school for elementary school and so not necessarily everybody lived in the exact town that we lived in. They definitely lived in surrounding areas. It's not like anybody was living way outside the area, but to a little bit of more diverse areas. And so I saw a little bit more of my family dynamic in them, but still for the most part, most people's parents were together. I would say, and I was, this is so Weird. I was thinking about this this morning, and I don't know if I've ever told anybody this. I, or at least I haven't talked about it in a very, very long time because I don't think about it. One way in particular that I felt I was different from a lot of people is that my mom and I had a family bed. We co-slept until I was probably at an age that is probably looked at as too old in Western culture. I know that other cultures do co-sleeping and the whole family sleeps in one bed and it's not weird. I feel like here we put this weird sexual connection in, in beds and sleeping arrangements and everything. But I think the reason I was able to do that is because my mom is was a single mom and I was just very, very connected to her and very attached to her in certain ways. She's told me that she went to a friend who was a little bit older who was a mom and said we have the situation and is it bad is it is it causing her to have unhealthy attachment to me and the woman was like it will be fine she will grow out of it it's gonna be fine and it ended up being fine but what I'm referring to is that I needed to sleep in the same bed with her my group of friends in elementary school knew that I didn't do sleepovers. I wouldn't spend the night anywhere my mom would come pick me up at 9 30 and that was just how it was and when I would stay with my dad I would bring a picture of my mom with me and would need to call her before bed. And sometimes in the middle of the night, if we were staying at his girlfriend's house or something, so I obviously wasn't sleeping with them, I'd come in and be crying and say, I miss my mom. So there were aspects to it that were a little bit concerning, I think. But at a certain point, I just grew out of it. And But I do remember feeling some shame around it. And even I think that's why I don't really talk about it, because it is looked at here as a weird thing that you're not supposed to do. But I look at it now as I was able to be given the support that I needed at the time until I didn't need that support anymore. And I leaned on her until I didn't need it. And I think that's a really beautiful thing and definitely is a reflection of her, which I'll get into more. But I credit my relationship with her totally to her and just the person that she is and the support that she provided me when I needed it. And sorry, that was a long-winded answer. <laughs> I don't even know if I answered your question, but that was part of my thought process there. Of, of That's, I think, what I realized that things were a little bit different. So much good stuff in there. Thank you for sharing something that you don't typically talk about. And why is that so frowned upon? I don't know why we would I sexualize it, but it is something that in society we definitely turn our noses up but that oh you're you guys are still sleeping in the same bed there's so much judgment and yeah 
we could talk ad nauseum about motherhood judging, mommy shaming. Mm -hmm. And I think that's definitely present in that story. But I also hear very strong boundaries and knowing who you are and what you're comfortable with at a young age. Often during sleepovers, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of shame about trying to make it through the night and having to call your mom, but you just had that boundary. It's funny because I'm pretty sure Brene Brown talks about this in one of her books. Maybe it's The Gifts of Imperfection, but about how her daughter decides that she can't do sleepovers yet. She's not ready. And it's just Mm. actually a story of profound growth and setting a boundary at an early age. So I think you can reframe so many different things and say, oh, was that a negative or a positive? You never really know because that's the way it went. And, and it's probably a little you, bit of both. Mm-hmm. I I may have not developed some skills and resiliency because I was able to call the shots and, and set boundaries when maybe I should have just pushed through. It, it's so hard to know. But right the important thing, in some ways, it doesn't matter what route you take. You're, you're probably all going to end up at the same place. And we put so much weird pressure in certain things. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had a conversation with your mom about it? Did she, you remembered co-sleeping. It wasn't like she had to tell you, but have you ever discussed it and asked why she did that? Did she have a certain parenting philosophy or it was just personal preference at the time? I think we, we did talk about it probably a year or two ago. And that's when she told me that she did have some concerns that I was growing too intense of an attachment to her and that that might cause issues with my attachment style and everything I don't think she knew about attachment styles at the time but and that's when she told me about how she had talked to her friend and her friend had told her not to worry about it and that it would work out I think more she was and this is again where I don't know whether it's a good thing or not but I think she was letting me drive in terms Mm. of I don't think it was a decision we're going to do this I wanted to and she didn't really see any harm in it and so it's what we did until I was ready to not. Is that how you would describe her ethos with you in general? What was her parenting style? Was she strict? Was she more of a friend? What was the dynamic? Yes, I think that, I mean, she's always been a motherly figure to me and she obviously took care of me and and raised me in that sense. But I do think she led a little bit more with what I wanted and needed. The wanting part, is where I don't know if it was totally good in all aspects, especially for her, because I think as a single mom for the first 10 ish years of my life, she didn't date. And again, I really appreciate that my parents, especially my mom really put me first. It shows a great deal of selflessness, but I'm also wondering now if, it's an interesting question to ask her. I don't think she'd say she regrets it, but did she miss out on living her life a little bit? And I wonder if she does regret letting me drive a little bit more of it. But I, I think for me or for her, it was it was based on what I needed at the time. And I know she just did her best knowing what she knew. And I think her parents were very strict. And it's interesting, too, how I think that does shape you. My parents gave me a lot of freedom. I know hers really did not. And so she didn't want to do that. And so she did the reverse method. So does that play a factor when you think about your future parenting style? Do you want to course correct? Because I personally 
always would tell my parents how I was going to do it so much better. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I love my parents. They're excellent parents, but I just am a bratty little person still who would <laughs> tell them where there's room for improvement, which I'm sure they mm-hmm. really have always appreciated. They <laughs> tell me all the time how much they love my parenting tips, but I'm just curious if there's bits and pieces that have lodged in your brain about overall styles of how you would do it. Yeah. And it's interesting you say that. I, cause I think we can look at any parents and find flaws in how they raise their children. And absolutely. It's, that is also one of the things I forgot to mention this, but one of the things that have given me pause in terms of having kids my own is it's become very obvious that you're going to fuck your child up in some way. You just need to try and figure out how to do it as little as possible. I look at my mom and I think she's an incredible mom, but you can always find something and be like, okay, that's why I'm the way I am in this way. And maybe that wasn't great. So I would like to be similar to my parents in that I want to be trusting. I want to have open communication. I want to let them be exactly who they want to be and support that. And yeah, just give them a lot of freedom to do that and a lot of trust. I'm a little scared that I, my anxiety will, and my worry will cause me to be a little bit more hands-on. And so that is something that I'm trying to work out now. One thing that I want to be aware of when I'm parenting is And I don't think I'll have that problem because I am so neurotic in these ways. But my mom is a very carefree individual. And she's told me I've just always had this feeling that everything's going to work itself out. Even when when I was young, she didn't have much money. And we were very much living paycheck to paycheck. And she was just like, I just always felt like it would would be okay. We would work it out. And I just do not have that. And so I think part of it is I feel like I came out of the womb with a sense of responsibility. And... I feel like in some ways she wasn't doing the worrying. So I felt like I had to. And one (laughs) example of that is my mom loves to smoke weed. And so growing up and it's, it's funny now because it's legal and it's not that big of a deal now. And I have no problem with it, but at the time it wasn't legal. And I think because I was so dependent on my mom and so attached to my mom, I just knew she is doing this illegal thing that could take her away from me. And so I was a little narc and I would get mad at her when I would find her smoking. And I, I communicated that I didn't want her to, to be doing that. And when I would find her smoking, there were a couple times where I made her flush it down the toilet um, because I was just so scared of what it represented and what it could mean. And so in a lot of ways, I want to be the mother that my mom was to me. I think just knowing who I am, I will probably be a little bit more of a worrier and hope to take that on a little bit more so that the kids can be kids. But if that's the worst thing she ever did is smoke some weed, she did okay. It must have been really <laughs> stressful to have those conflicting messages. Society, TV cops are saying this is mm-hmm. bad and your mom is saying this is good and so that mm-hmm. just is going to create turmoil in your young heart and you don't know who to trust and you see your parents as this infallible being and so I think yeah. that would just be definitely hard and I could t- I don't think anyone 
should be hard on themselves for being a little narc when you're just, you don't know what the rules are. And it's very disorienting to see that. Yeah. It's, it's very true. That's a really good point. The, the concept of there being conflicting information coming at you. Yeah. I haven't really thought about it that way, but that is really interesting. Well, and we're so easily influenced at that age. And so when yes. you just don't have a correct answer of what to follow, I think mm-hmm. that would just make, make anyone stressed. And then to your point about feeling anxious, I just read this rather depressing book, but it was eye-opening as well. It's called What Made Maddie Run? And it's about this Ivy League track star, really beautiful girl from Penn who committed suicide her freshman year and the author is a I think she's a columnist for ESPN and she's written a few books but she wanted to dive into this instead of sensationalizing it she wanted to really understand the story of what goes on beyond the headlines of just beautiful girl with the world at her fingertips commits suicide and one I hate that I describe be- everyone describes her as beautiful as one of the first characteristics, which is frustrating. But I definitely was one of the people who fell into the trap, the trap of, oh, but she looks like she would be happy because she has all these mm-hmm. external markers. But one thing that the book talked about was that kids in the digital age. She was twenty. She was nineteen when she committed suicide in January of twenty fourteen, and. So she was a digital native, and so she had constant access to her parents via text if things were going wrong. And because she had been so successful in high school, I think she was really struggling with being a big fish in a small pond to a huge pond. Small fish situation was very stressful, but um, I just thought of how how much the technological landscape has changed us to be constantly plugged in and we can track our kids' locations and all these things. And we just didn't have the capacity to worry that much back then. And so obviously you and your mom are just wired differently. Mm -hmm. She, she has this, everything's going to work out, which is my ideal. Yeah. What I'm striving for because I am very much a grasper and a controller and I want mm-hmm. to switch into an abundance mindset. So I, I think there's pros and cons to each, but I think we are in a anxiety ridden echo chamber right now where if you're anxious, it's because the world is making you anxious and it's because these tools are making you anxious. So I, yeah. I, I would be the same way with motherhood too. I am worried in the same way. Yeah. And, and that's a really good point. And also another reason that it worries me to have children, we are bringing them into this place where they are just set up for failure. And we grew up with a certain level of technology and social media and all that, but it's such a different level now. And it does scare me. And that's a whole other question too. When do you provide them access to all that? You don't want them to not be growing with the rest of the world and understand technology and, and even be a social outcast because everybody else is a part of it. But at the same time, it just feels so unhealthy. And I don't know what the right answer is there. I don't either. It plays into how you want to parent your child. I know it's all a learn by doing thing and, and that every generation thinks life is more scary than the next. I yeah. know this has always been a pattern and the world's always going to seem scary, but I feel like there's a lot of evidence pointing that 
the world's especially scary right now. Yeah, it, it's 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 very scary right now. Yes, I think I think that's accurate. You've touched on it a little bit in other questions, but when you think about your relationship with your mom, what comes to mind and what do you want to emulate in your own motherhood journey? I might cry. Our relationship, I would describe as close, honest, open. And like I said earlier, I think that is definitely because of her. She is just an incredibly empathetic, kind, open-minded person. And she met me where I was at and just totally accepted me. And I always felt like I could come to her for anything and that is definitely what I want to emulate as a, as a mother just having that open communication and letting your child feel comfortable to be their true self in front of you that is my worst fear is that and and when I talk to people that feel like they can't be their true self in front of their parents I just my heart breaks for them because I can't imagine cat is moving this around I can't imagine growing up and having to put on a mask for your parents. And I think that's really what has allowed my mom and I to be so close is she has just totally accepted me. And if there was a problem, I could come to her and we would solve it and there wouldn't be judgment. And I didn't feel like I needed to keep things from her. And maybe that is a big part of why she wanted to lead with what I wanted and with what I needed within reason. Obviously, I don't want it to seem like she just let me be a wild animal but it also made me not want to disappoint her and so in turn I never really did anything that crazy obviously I was still human and I made mistakes and not saying that we never fought or we never I never got in trouble with anything but it was more so the things that I got in trouble with were when I was keeping something from her because we had that understanding that we were going to be open with one another and to an extent she she has told me things about my upbringing and my origin story and all that as an adult that she didn't tell me when I was younger so I don't also want it to seem like she exposed me to things that she couldn't have when I was a little kid I didn't really understand fully at that point but definitely want to and aim to emulate her her openness and just open-mindedness towards the world. She is a tolerant person, and I've noticed that with my relationships and my friends and the people who I bring into my life that she knows she loves who I love. And that has always really meant a lot for me because I never felt like, oh, God, if I introduced her to this person, she's judged them. There's just no judgment in her bones, and I just admire that so much, and I hope to bring that to, to parenthood as well. That's so beautiful. What a lovely way to describe your mother. She's Um, a special person. I wonder, growing up with such acceptance and in a place where at least I grew up with a lot of pressure to succeed, and I think this echoes the runner who I just discussed, Maddie, there's just so much perfectionism expected. And I'm not trying to suggest what you just said was that your mom let you off the hook and didn't hold you to high standards. But did you feel like your mom had any expectations from you that were hard to achieve? Or do you feel like this helped foster a sense of self-worth coupled with what she thinks of you? Because you touched on how 
you didn't want to disappoint her, but it was more because you respected her, not because you thought she had arbitrary standards for you that you wanted to uphold. Exactly. Very well put. No, I think that's exactly it. And I still, I I have perfectionist tendencies. My parents still had expectations for me where, and, and I think probably it was more so on my dad's side. And so that drove some of that. My mom encouraged me, I think, rather than had expectations for me. She didn't finish college. She didn't get a degree. And so for me, it was always something that she expressed was important, but also I don't know, it, just the expectation was always there that that was something I was going to do. And I think part of that is growing up where we grew up as well. It's just like not, didn't feel like an option to not do that. She encouraged me and I didn't want to disappoint her. I wanted to do well for her. And so I, and again, I don't know if it's the sense of responsibility that I felt like I had, but I pushed myself more to rather than her pushing me, I think. Do you feel like you have a stronger sense of self because of her accepting parenthood? Because I am just now questioning a lot of things that I thought were part of my identity. And I'm trying to even unravel that and see if I even enjoy some of these things that are so important to me and when they came about and what headspace I was in. The way you describe her endless love, it's not like I didn't have endless love, but I felt very much like... I needed to be a certain way to to be loved. And I think that's my own self-love, self-worth journey of trying to separate what I've learned that self-esteem can have peaks and valleys based on external factors, but self-worth is supposed to be, or supposed to be, this is just a, a definition that I found helpful, is supposed to be steady sense of you are worthy. And I really struggle with that baseline mm-hmm. acceptance of myself. I mean... It's hard to know because you only know your experience, but do you feel more sure of who you are and what you believe because of your upbringing? That is a really interesting question, and I feel like I'm going to answer it in a different way. I feel like in some ways I feel confident in knowing what I want And then in other ways, I still struggle from trying to be what the world wants me to be and ending up in places, like you said, and being looking around and being like, wait, is this what I want? Why am I doing this? We are shaped by so many different things and we have multiple parents. And so I, I think that what she has instilled with me a lot is my comfortability around women women are my safe space and my home and I can be completely myself and totally open around women. I struggle a little bit more with men for other reasons. I'm much more comfortable being myself and knowing what I want and being open about what I want when I feel like I am in a women-only environment where I won't feel judged because growing up my relationship with my mom was a space where I could be totally myself and I could express what I want, what I needed. And I wouldn't be judged for it. And I brought that with me and connected that to relationships with women. And so in that sense, I feel totally, yes, I understand myself worth in that environment. I think I still struggle in other ways, but I don't think that's because of her. Gotcha. I feel completely the same way with women. I think women are just, 
this isn't a PC podcast. Women are just better <laughs> listeners and they make you feel heard, seen, accepted. It's the way our brains work. It's the way society has shaped us. So I don't think anyone would dispute that on a general level. Well, <laughs> or maybe people would. Well, but. yeah, I think there's, and I'm always so shocked to hear this because I just completely agree with you and I feel the same way but I, I I was talking to somebody recently a friend and they were talking about how we were comparing our upbringing as well and how their mom taught them to be more competitive with women and it is a scarcity mindset of there's only so much room for us and so you need to you need to take it and how that Growing up, it made it hard for her to be happy for her friends or feel she could be open and honest with her friends without fear of judgment because you're walking around thinking, I'm thinking this about them, so they must be thinking about this about me. They, they're not going to be happy for me. They're, and it's, it is just so interesting how people can have such different perspectives on that. Well, I have that exact same view. No, I hold those both true which is mm -hmm. something I'm trying to get more okay with is holding conflicting yeah thoughts but I am hyper competitive with women I am always benchmarking myself against other women and I think that can be a product of your childhood but it's also just a product of the world totally especially in the corporate world I always was absorbing there's room for one woman at the table mm -hmm. make it you and so I've always had more of a clawing nature I would say in the in the corporate world, I've never really worked well with the women who have managed me, which I find really sad. It's funny when I look back on the threads, the really toxic bosses that I've had have been mainly women. Wow. And I think it's their personality, my personality. I don't think I can blame it entirely on that, but I think it's because we're all fed a similar. Yeah. I'm very easily threatened by my friend's success, which I don't feel good about admitting, but mm -hmm. I'm, it's, I think it goes back to the abundance scarcity yep. mindset of your mom, just knowing it was all going to work out and there's room for everyone to succeed. I very much, I don't know if it's the way I'm raised or just the, the anxiety in me, but I'm very much if she's doing well, it's a negative on me. It means something is being taken from me. And mm -hmm. I hate that about myself. I really, really don't want to be this way, but it, it's, I'm, I'm just going to name it because it's there for me. And I, I feel safe with women and have great relationships with women. And I love being open and honest. And I do feel like I can be vulnerable and share things that aren't going well in my life with my friends, but I still get burned sometimes not for being vulnerable but I just have a sense of especially with my mother I think my big issue is she would sometimes weaponize my vulnerability mm -hmm. and I don't bring that into my friendships I don't think I think I'm still I really try to be honest and share when things are not going well but I think sometimes I, I do not feel like I could speak as freely as as you could with your mother and and no I knew she would always love me, but she had, she can, we both can go very low, very quickly when we are threatened. Yeah. And, and thank you for sharing that. I mean, I think you're being very vulnerable and sharing that. So there you go. But I, I think that's so common. I do think it is what we're kind of being fed from society as well. And I think that's starting to change, which I think is a really great thing. I think that's super common and I hate that it has to be that way, but it makes sense when that is what we're being told. And I don't know. Thank you for sharing that. 
it's it's yeah it's hard to really want the best for everyone and i really want women to do well but also i feel attention in that it's hard to name that and not feel like a bad person but i'm trying to be okay with no you are not a bad person and i will say i can confirm that i think you are very vulnerable in your friendships with women and what i've seen and appreciate that you are very open about that because I do think it's so important that we share our struggles because you feel less alone. Well, thank you for saying that. And that's a big part of why I want to do this podcast in general, because I just sometimes feel when I turn to movies and books, sometimes I don't feel like I see what I want to see reflected. And mm-hmm. I, I'm going to forget who, I think it's Toni Morrison. She said, if there's a book out there that you want to read that doesn't exist, write it. And I'm not saying I'm filling this big no, need there's this vacuum out there for my opinions but I just love raw vulnerable conversations and I will say my parents always fostered that when I see other people who feel like they can't share freely with their parents I don't really understand it it, it didn't always go smoothly in my house but I always felt like I could share my opinion always entitled to share my opinion as I said from the beginning I critiqued their parenting from a very young age and so <laughs> I, awesome. they've always if you can't be honest with your family I feel very sad for you because I know I know I know that sounds very I don't know judgy or just looking down upon and it's not it's just if you can't be honest with your family who can you be honest with I guess you must have great friends, but it, it just yeah. would be really challenging to not be able to call your parents and just share your thoughts. Completely. Completely. And that is definitely why I, it's very important to me to bring that into and be aware of that through motherhood. I think I can almost be naive on the flip side when it comes to women. I'm very trusting with women and to the point where I can bond very quickly with a woman and I feel comfortable sharing things. And as I had an experience recently where I was burned by a woman who I thought was a friend and that rocked me because it's so not what I'm used to. And I don't want that to harden me or make me less trusting of women. But at the same time, it's a good reminder that just somebody's gender doesn't necessarily make them trustworthy and you still need to have your wits about you. But for the most part, it served me pretty well. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think I'm just feeling very cliche, but I think it's Brene Brown where you have to make sure that the person is worthy of what you're sharing. You can't, you have to vet them. She, I don't know, she had a good analogy about marbles where you have to trust someone with their marble, with your marbles to hold on to them and to protect them. I don't remember I can't say it eloquently, but she had a a good one that stuck with me, but clearly not that well. But it was just, (laughs) it's true. You have to, I mean, you can always get burned and and that's life. You you have to put yourself out there or you can harden yourself off and and then you just shut off all of the things. So I try to remember that everything that inspires me is because someone was vulnerable and put themselves out there. And so if you can live in your own integrity even if you got burned, you can learn from that. Yeah, very, very true. I know we are coming up on a time, but I just wanted to touch on 
it's a big topic, so it's not a casual. I just want to touch on this, but you talked about how your mom set aside her personal identity in a way when she was raising you. And that's my biggest internal conflict, I want to say, climate when I think about having kids, but it's really my own personal identity and not wanting to lose that. And also just feeling like I'm not a fully formed person who knows what I stand for and what my identity is. And so I keep telling myself, I got to figure that out first. And I'm starting to realize I will never reach complete fully formed, but I still have so many questions. (laughs) Yeah. I just want to, I just want to have a better sense of who I am before I go and just focus on some other life so much because If I don't have a firm idea of who I am, of course it will be lost because I'm just going to be focused on my child because I don't even know who I am. And so that's a big concern is just loss of identity. What is my identity? I don't want it to be just a mother, which sounds not quite right to say just a mother because motherhood is all-encompassing in so many ways. And it's funny because a lot of my resentments against my mother were because motherhood was not probably her top definition of herself. So Mm -hmm. again, I struggle with these conflicting beliefs in my mind. So I just love to hear your perspective on identity and motherhood. That is so interesting that you've identified that in yourself, that the things that you resent her for are the things that you are scared you won't be able to do. That's Wow. It's thank you for sticky. That. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I feel like similarly, I mean, I'm realizing that a lot of the things that I've said I admire about my mom is that she was so selfless and was so made me pr- the priority. And I'm saying I want to make sure that doesn't happen for me. So what does that say that the things that I'm crediting her for, I don't want to do myself. But I guess that is where it just needs to be a balance. I still, this is obviously something that's so important to me because I've mentioned to you that I'm freezing my eggs. I want to make sure that it happens because I've decided that it is something I definitely want to do. And so I think that because of that, I do feel like it's a part of my identity and will be a part of my identity, but that's exactly what I want it to be as a part of it. And Mm -hmm. I think what's helped me realize that is seeing some really awesome moms in my life be able to do that successfully and be really conscious about that. And there's another aspect of vulnerability where they've been open with me and been, I wasn't immediately attached to my child when it first came out and it took some time. And again, again, I think that's something that people are talking about more and the expectation is changing that you don't need to just be a mom. And again, I don't want to suggest a mom, but that be your sole identity. And I actually mentioned this to my mom recently and it hurt her feelings and I felt really bad about it. But I mentioned to her when I was talking about freezing my eggs, that part of a big reason of it too, is that I don't want to settle. I want to make sure that I have a good partner for it. And yes, if that partner doesn't come along or doesn't work out, I probably will do it on my own, but I really don't want to. And that will be worst case scenario. And I mentioned that to her and said part of that is like, I saw you do it and it looked really hard. And she got a little sad because she was like, oh man, you looked at what I went through and said, I don't want to do that. That's doesn't feel very good. But it's it's more so just that I, I think it looks really hard. And I think it's always going to be easier if you have a partner that's going to at least one that will make it a more equitable experience in terms of taking on the workload. 
And I think that will also help in you not completely being buried in it and it becoming your sole identity. If some of the responsibilities are more shared and mm-hmm. you can help each other and lean on each other to, to give each of you the space to maintain your own identity and do the things that make you happy and fill your cup and so that you can recharge. Yeah, you touched on a good point of single parents don't have the luxury of investing mm. in themselves outside of being the sole provider. Exactly. So that's just something we have to name that honestly exploring who you are outside of pressing needs sometimes is just a privilege and yep. And I'm not trying to say every partner out there is perfect, but I read another book that I really liked about a woman who chose not to have children and because I don't feel like these stories are shared enough in popular media, but her memoir is called No One Tells You This. And she talks about just beyond motherhood, just singlehood. She really would like someone to pay for half the rent sometimes. And it's really hard being something even for yourself, being everything to yourself to have no one pick up the slack. So it doesn't even have to apply to child rearing, but it's just a fact of life that having someone you can punt some of the responsibilities to is just going to be helpful regardless of how active that partner is. It's just doing everything yourself is just a Herculean task. Yes. And I have felt that recently because I do live alone right now. And those are the moments where I do scare myself and that I have a hard time keeping up with my current life. Why am I so sure that this is going to go well if I bring in another human being that I need to care for? It's terrifying. I feel that way all the time. Every time I lay down. I'm a baby. And yeah, exactly. Last night, I just ate disgusting pork rinds. I feel disgusting <laughs> saying pork rinds, but I ate pork rinds and I laid on the couch. And I'm on my period. Everything is just, I just can't do it. And you can't do that when you have a small child. No. <laughs> so. I know. I had that realization too. I was sick last week and I just have the luxury to lay in bed right now, but parents can't be sick. <laughs> you have to keep going. You still need to keep somebody else alive. I think that the fact that it's constant also really throws me for a loop. The fact that it's relentless. Mm-hmm. Like my friend who just had a baby, till they die, they will be that kid's parents. And that's yeah. pretty crazy to me that you've just made that continuous commitment for the rest of your life. Every time I call my parents and ask them for advice, I'm like, I'm 31 years old and I still need them. Yeah, yeah, I know, it never ends. And that is where it's interesting when I do think about, and this only applies to if you're a single parent, but the other partner parent is still in the picture, you do get to pass them off and have some nights by yourself if you are doing that, if they are in their lives and, and shared custody and all that. So that is an interesting thing to think about, too, or it obviously would be a lot harder, but you do get your free time. That's true. I wonder what your mom was doing on. I know. know, I know. Living her own damn life. Can you believe it? Exactly. And I look back and I know it's all from my perspective. So I'm like, every time I saw her, it was all about me. But there obviously were moments. And it, it became more frequent that I was going to my dad's as I got older, too. So. I know she had to take on probably the hardest part of 
me being a little tiny child. But yeah, I should ask her what she was up to. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, by the way, when I wasn't with you, what was even happening? Because I wasn't there. So what could you have possibly been doing? Yeah, exactly. Just waiting for me to come back. Yeah. (laughs) Um, That's another interesting thing, too, because I know you mentioned Gilmore Girls, and that's been a part that I have had a hard time relating to, because in a lot of ways, I do relate to Gilmore Girls, but Rory's so cool about her mom dating, and when my mom started dating, it ruined my life. I thought that my world was over, and I think part of that is because I was so attached to her. I think also... Rory was in high school when she had this perspective, but Lorelai's the one that's more aware of and wanting to protect Rory from her dating life. And Rory's like, whatever, it's fine. And I was not, whatever, it's fine. But I was also like 10. So I need to give myself some credit there. Rory's also fictional. So that also helps me sometimes when I'm comparing myself to the Gilmores. But that's a great point. To your point, yeah, 10 is very different than high school. In general, she is already dating throughout the show. I don't know Mm -hmm. if she goes through a transition of this is just now starting, unless I'm forgetting a critical. No, what happens is that it's the first time that she brings somebody around. Yeah, she tries to keep it very separate. And that's what Rory is cool about. Whereas, yeah, I, I was not cool. I was, like, flushing her drugs down the toilet. I was telling her not to date. I, <laughs> nightmare. You were a little drill sergeant. <laughs> no, but I think, again, it goes back to the weed thing where you've had this certain messaging about how I will always be there for you. You are my everything. And then mm-hmm. someone else is coming into the picture. That's a conflicting idea. And that's very yeah stressful as someone who doesn't still sit well with conflicting ideas of course that's going to be stressful for a young child so and again even at Rory's age I would have liked to have seen an episode of her saying I love you you're my friend and my mother at the same time but this is still weird for me yeah I would have liked to see that too we got to write the book them doesn't exist so (laughs) you're sharing your experience and that's what this is all about it's just a loaded topic and I really appreciate you sharing your experience of your relationship with your mother and some of the thoughts that are swirling around in your head and we didn't even get to egg freezing which I will just have to do another podcast episode on because I I would love that a lot to talk about there I've just gotten so many good nuggets from this and I love chatting with you and you're the best this is so fun I've gotten a lot of good nuggets from you too and this has been really insightful yay